0: I think what keeps coming back to me is, you know, with leadership, it is about that growth um, of others. And that's that if we go back to Japan, there's a good connection there that it's not all about you. It's about the other people around you and, and someone that has those, um, those real key leadership qualities isn't thinking about themselves all the time. In fact, they're pouring the energy into their, their people around them. You're
1: listening to the Augmented Learning Podcast and Video Log. Stories from inspiring educators, leaders, and influencers who are challenging the status quo. Today's episode is sponsored by My Study Series, an online learning platform supporting Kiwi teachers and students through NCEA. With automated self grading quizzes after every video, My Study Series ensures students receive immediate feedback on their level of understanding. Check it out now at mystudyseries.co.nz. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 48 of the augmented learning podcast and video log where you're able to grow, learn and develop by accessing high quality PLD when you need it most. I'm your host Kyle Kondeloff and today we're talking to Sam Ford from Ellesmere College in Christchurch. I've been fortunate enough to develop a nice friendship and working relationship with Sam over the last few months. We both attended the Japan sports forum spending a few weeks exploring Tokyo and I was quite impressed with Sam's no-nonsense approach and ability to apply a critical lens to many of the situations. And engagements we found ourselves in. This critical approach is an important skill both in life and probably more importantly in front of our students where we should be role modeling this as much as possible. We spend a little bit of time recapping our trip to Japan discussing the differences between New Zealand and Japanese approaches to physical education and sport but most of our discussion is related to Sam's experiences as an across-school lead teacher for his Nga Matapuna o Te Waihura Ka Sam is a passionate educator who adds tremendous value, not only to the physical education community, but to teaching across New Zealand in general.
0: Sam, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Carl. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah uh, how, how's things down in Christchurch at the moment?
0: Oh mate, we've had a we've had an early start to spring. We've had uh 22 degrees here yesterday and today's another cracking day so uh long long may it continue. But it's been yeah, I'm still a North Islander mate, so I'm still not used to this cold.
1: Yeah, and that's not what I want to hear because we <laughs> in a seven days time I'm jumping on a plane to go down to Queenstown to get some skiing and um, so it sounds like it, the snow might not be the greatest down there. No, maybe
0: not. Maybe not.
1: Hey, um, before you started, can you tell us a little bit about your teaching background and experience, and a few tidbits about the school and the students you teach?
0: Yeah, cool. So, um, I've been teaching now for twelve years, and uh, I started, I started my teaching at Altia College in, in Porirua um, and yeah, began began teaching there as as teacher in charge about read, um, and and took on a whole lot of different roles at my time at Altia from from being a, a year level dean and then finishing up as the Assistant HRD of Health and PE. Um, and then in 2015, I moved to Ellesmere College and begun the role as uh, Head of Health and PE. Um, so Ellesmere College is is a school of roughly around 600 students um, in a sort of semi-rural community um, based in, in Leiston, which is yeah probably a good 30, 40, away from the centre of Christchurch, but our local community is made up of Leeston, Dunsandle and Southbridge. So um some of your listeners may not know that, but Dan Carter's the one. So being from Southbridge, he went to Ellesmere College. So we've got that on our on our map as well. So yeah.
1: Uh how hard was it making the move, like coming from Wellington heading down to Christchurch? Like was was that a tough decision to make? What was your thought process around that?
0: Um yeah, it was it was a it was a tough decision, um, and, and I, to be to be honest, I probably struggled a wee bit in that first bit. So for those of you that know, um, you know, Port is a really multicultural um, community, and moving to you know semi-rural Canterbury, um, you know, the clientele, the kids, the staff, every everything's just different. So um, yeah, I, I would have said maybe my first six months to a year, I just trying to find a way for me to fit in and for for the people that I work with including the students to sort of understand me but yeah that just takes time but eventually you know it, it, it is pretty normal now um, but yeah the decision to move here I think at that stage you know eight years and I really wanted that leadership role in that head of department um, had come from a really successful department at, at Altair and and was ready to you know, lead the ship, so yeah, that the job popped up, and I kind of knew straight away that yeah, that would be cool. And um, I'd been in pens, I'd known like Matt Billsbury, and you know, he had been a head of department at Alasmere, at so I knew it would be a good school, and yeah, it is. So I've really enjoyed my time at Alasmere.
1: I envy you for that, um, the ability to just you know, prioritize your values, know what you want, and then chase them, especially something that's such a massive commitment to pick up and relocate to a school that's a completely different culture to the one that you're currently in. So, um, I mean, big move,
0: but do you think it's paid off? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it is. And, um, look, I think what you're saying there is so true. Like change is hard. And and I know that better than anybody. Um, you know, we all get faced with different challenges and and that whole moving away from your comfort is a real challenge at the, at, at, at the time that you make that change. But, you know, I just go with that philosophy. It's, it's going to be hard, but it will get better, and it always does. Um, it's just one of those things you just got to you work through. But I'm, I'm no bulletproof like anybody else. That you know, you start questioning yourself, going, "Oh, have I made the right decision here?" But um, you know, I look back on it now, and you know, it's been the best best move for for my own professional career, but also for my family as well. We're we're really happy um, with we, we live in Rollston, Really happy with the community that we live in. So no, it's awesome.
1: So we, you and I, were both fortunate enough to attend the Japan Sports Forum a couple of months ago, which was just a phenomenal experience. So I want to kick off the podcast by talking about three areas of that trip, and that's going to be Japanese sport, Japanese culture, and then finally PE in Japan. So Japanese sport, to start off, what what was your take on what we experienced over there?
0: Oh, mate, they're, they're extremely passionate about their sport, eh, and um you know they've got their really traditional sports and sumo and judo but i mean we were as you know we we're really lucky to go to to a baseball um event and that just blew my mind um watching these these supporters that were so respectful and so disciplined in, in their support of their team so they would only chant for for their team when they were batting and i just couldn't get over that cuz you know we go to a sport sporting event here in new zealand and uh, it's it's just a totally lots of negativity lots of bagging booing and and that just doesn't happen in japan and that was something that that just stood out for me and um, and for all of us i'm sure you were the same mm. um, it wasn't
1: even the fact that you know i don't think you can explain over a podcast um, or define or define what cheering is because it was the best way i'd describe it was that we were in a baseball stadium. Um, the left field and the right field, grandstands, maybe you call them that, uh, were like your your key supporters, your big supporters, and they were all dressed up and they had their drums. But everybody, everybody in that section, when it was their time to cheer, had amazingly structured um, cheer, songs, um, chants, all of those things. And then it wasn't even like, you know, when it wasn't their turn to cheer, they, they weren't just like, making noise and carrying on with life they just sat down and waited until it was their turn it was like completely blew my mind the other thing that blew my mind there was um and this has become apparent since through other tournaments that have where we've had japanese um, participants or visitors or teams was that whole the rubbish thing they pick up at the end and Everyone, the game finished. Everyone stopped, started picking up their stuff, walked down, and then they had all of those bins, and everyone's just dumping all of their rubbish in their bins and leaving a really yeah, clean. Man, and they're just I such a respectful
0: society too. of of everybody. They're just so mindful about not you know not just worrying about their own business about every everyone. Um, and that chanting, it was just a unison, wasn't it? It was just perfectly. Yeah, it's crazy. But, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, loved it. Loved it. Just chip in that you know you and I were the most behaved on the trip as well when we came. <laughs> yes.
1: we, we yeah, we, we were. We were. We were very well behaved. <laughs> I think I was hungover at the, at the baseball. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, so, culture. What? What? What about Japanese culture? What stood out for you most in terms of culture, and that can be across anything really. To yeah.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I I sort of alluded to it a wee bit in that sport there, but it's just that respect or we've got uh, the the term tanga where they just look after people. um, And that was just apparent in everywhere that we went. Um, So I think of our, our time that we went to Atsuki and we did a day trip or a night trip down there. And from the moment we arrived at the train station, our the people that were looking after us, they met us there and they walked us to our hotel and then they arranged us transport to a school. And then they they walked through the school with us and then they took us out to a traditional Japanese meal and the onsen. And and then from there, they, they, just, they just took us everywhere. And it all summed up when I thought, oh man, this is just unbelievable. I feel like a superstar, some sort of celebrity being treated so well. But in the morning when we were leaving, there they were in the lobby again to walk us. How far do you reckon it was? I don't know. It's like
1: six, 400 yeah, metres, meters. Meters, 600 metres. Yeah,
0: well, it wasn't even far. And they just took us from A to B and just wanted to wish us all our best on our way. Um, so that, that is probably what stands out for me the most when you talk about culture, is that, that manaakitanga, that, that real sense of making sure they're looking after the people around them. Mm. So, yeah, and I, I, I'll never forget that experience. Um alone so and it just makes you think when you come back to your own um your own school your own your own environment that I think at times as Kiwis like we do we, we do demonstrate that manaakitanga but not to that level no as what I witnessed in Japan I think we all have that ability to just worry about our own stuff and be a bit selfish and I just get the impression that Japanese people it's just part of what they are is thinking about others
1: yeah very easy to get caught up in your own stuff but also very easy to stop and acknowledge the people around you when you have guests and visitors and and other people that's so easy to do but we just tend not to do it and i think um you're reflecting on that and i've had a few japanese teachers come through uh since i've been on that trip and i stop everything Engage with them. I might talk to them um, because mm. I've seen how they hosted us, and that the, and that was amazing.
0: We, we it was like. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, and for me, some of the other things I noticed were just some of those really peculiar things that we didn't understand that weren't part of the Kiwi way of life. Like, um, you know, you would be walking around, and then you look, you're going trying to find food, and everything's got like they have the models of the food in all the shop windows, and then all of the pachinko gambling places and all of these different things that made their society seem really weird, but it was just a matter of um, not understanding some of those things. And for me, that was something that was quite unique as well and something I enjoyed trying to um, figure things out and learn a little bit about their culture and how they operate, along with that manaakitanga and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. What about, finally, on on the Japan stuff is – PE and what we saw there from a couple of schools we went to, and how it contrasts to what we do in New Zealand.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, I struggle with the whole concept of it. Um, I think, I think for myself as a teacher, it's it's about that engagement with the students and that discussion that you have. I've got that sort of philosophy that we need to have kids that are learning as they go and they lead the learning. Whereas in Japan, it was um, very much the opposite. So, traditional teacher at the front. Demonstrating, telling them what to do, everybody follows it, and you know it really focuses on that B strand of our curriculum. Um, and they do a lot of repetition, like mass practice. They just smash it out. They can do it for half an hour, for a whole lesson, even other a skill. So, yeah, that I think that was the biggest thing that that relationship between student and teacher was very very different to what we're used to. And, and you'll recall that time that we 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 had two opportunities to teach in, in a Japanese school with. And you could just tell the kids loved the fact that we were we were working with them, Eh, like we were working alongside them and, and they were not used to that. Um, so, yeah, very, very different.
1: Yeah, the, the mass practice stuff was really interesting. Like, you know, when we, we observed that coaching, um, what I did like about that, and I've written about it since, is that you know, maybe we do need to just give um, something like mass practice a, a little more consideration in New Zealand because the levels of skill execution over there were phenomenal. Um, they they were really talented and skillful athletes. Um, but again, there's the all of the the things around um, you know decision making and strategic play that they're probably lacking a little bit. Um, okay. But maybe some sort of hybrid blend of the two could be um, really useful in our approach to PE the Kiwi way I think
0: yeah absolutely I think yeah and there's pros and cons as you as you've alluded to but I think we've just got that more holistic curriculum that allows us to do like we look after the whole learner whereas I think in Japan they were very singular singular with the whole they wanted to concentrate on a skill and they wanted them to make sure they did it really really well and Mm-hmm. As for getting along with your teammates or social responsibility or anything else, they just, it's not even on their radar. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah
0: but no, so, com- cool. com-
1: communities of learning, which is kind of the focus of this podcast episode, is is currently a big part of your teaching career. Um, for those listeners who might not be in a call or, or might not know what a kahuiako is, can you provide a little bit of an o- overview for us?
0: Yeah, so just put really simply, it's it's that ability for the sector to be able to work closer together. So we're talking about ECES, primary schools, secondary schools to be able to, to collaborate and be able to um, you know personalize some of the learning pathways for the students and to have those those transitions between a lot more seamless. And yeah, and to have common goals and visions where they they work better together. So I've I've only been in the role since the start of the year. Um, I was appointed at the end of last year, and we are a very small kahuiako so um, we've we 've got just me as the across school lead, and then we have eight within school teachers because we 've got such a small amount of students um, across our kahuiako so yeah that that's the that's the that 's the sort of purpose or the breakdown of it um, and every kahuiako has its achievement challenges. Um, and they're very similar, I'm not sure what your one is, Carl, but ours, ours are to do with literacy, numeracy and level two achievement. But really, that's, that's the stuff up in the sky. Um, the, the more purposeful work is around like, your drivers or your levers. So for us, um, in our nāma kuna o te which is our Kahoyako is haora or wellbeing, uh, culturally responsive practice and transitions. So all of our work is around those those uh, three levers, um, yeah. But because we're so small, should I keep going? Because we're so small, um, we I sort of sit in that in that sort of leadership team. So we've got the four principals from our schools, um, and myself. So we we meet uh, quite regularly, even up to sort of every two weeks, three weeks. Um, and we'll be discussing big picture things to do with the kahoe ako and where we're heading and what we're doing. Some of it's just nuts and bolts around how the schools are working together, but some of it's more about the planning of our kahoe ako and the direction where we're going. Um so that's that's one part of my role. And then the other part of my role is uh working closely with those eight within school teachers um and on their on their own individual inquiries and, and their and their work that they're doing with the other teachers in their school um, so we, hmm. we do have a focus on on coaching and mentoring as well because that's where we see the the change will happen where we we've got teachers that are skilled in coaching and mentoring and supporting others so I think that's what I, I bring but then also helping those um, those within school teachers to be able to to work on their their coaching and mentoring of their staff as well so oh look mate it's been massive massive learning Um so fire some questions because there's probably a lot. Yeah,
1: of I, will, I will. I've got plenty of questions, and and the, and it was a little bit selfish of me to um, to book this uh, this <laughs> episode with you on this topic because, as you know, I went through the process of applying for one of the across school um, lead roles in our call and I was fortunate enough to be appointed as one of the three for for ours. Um you and But I'm yet to really. Well, technically, yes. Technically, yes. But um, we've only had the one meeting with the the other two across school leads and the the lead principal. So we're still kind of up in the air trying to figure out what's going on. And because we had mid-year appointments, like all of our um, within school leads are already appointed, but the across school leads were appointed afterwards, which... It's a little bit backwards and a little bit different to a lot of the other calls around there. Um, we're kind of in limbo a little bit, both from a timetabling perspective, from a, from an expectation perspective, and job description. So we're still we're still not sure at the moment what's that, what that's going to look like for the remainder of the year. But like you said, it's all learning, and I'm starting to get a better picture of of what's happening. Um, I, want, I want to talk about the, the application process first before I come back to your, your day-to-day work in, in your coal. Real tough, real tough application process, huh? Yeah, eh? it,
0: was, it was big. It was really massive. Um, you know, I remember when I spoke to my principal about it and showed him, it was, you know, sort of what the equivalent of some... Some principals would do for principals' jobs, so it was up there. And you know, I think I spent roughly about fifteen hours on it, just making sure that you know I had it all down, and I drawing on my previous experiences, and then backing it up with um, with research as well. Um, but yeah, so that was that was the preparation, and yeah, I, I know lots of people have found that tough, but I don't know, it sort of weans out the people that are really committed, I, I suppose. Um, And then and then an interview as well where they have a representative from I think they're from the ministry and then and then the the principals there. But I really enjoyed that because you know interviews are about selling yourself and talking about what you've done and that. bit wasn't too bad. But yeah, you're right. The uh, the application form was was onerous, very onerous.
1: It was a good process though, and like you you flipped me. You were kind enough to flip me through (laughs) bits and pieces of different things that you were doing. And and I th- I thought you know to be honest I was like sweet this is going to be this going to be easy as I can you know put some pieces from here and there and but actually you you just couldn't it was all you had to really yeah. dig deep you had to dig deep around what was. Um, what you valued as an educator, what your background was, the things and the work that you were doing within your communities. Um, So there was really no way to do it except to sit down for 10 to 15 hours, like Mm. you said, and just bang out what you're doing, what you've done, what your core values are. But that in itself, that process was really, really valuable, I think, to kind of, um, first of all, let you know that that's something you want to proceed with and this is the path you want to take. But also as a bit of a, you know, I've been teaching coming on, Fifteen years, I think. Um, it was a good process to go through and consider my journey from beginning teacher all the way to experienced practitioner now. So I enjoyed the process. Um, I know some of my uh, some of my referees didn't because their form. Did you see the form that they got given?
0: No oh yes i did yes i was
1: even it was even deeper than the stuff that we had to do oh my gosh so yeah um i I had to uh, ring and apologize to a few people once i saw what they were doing
0: but you're right i mean i think as educators as well that we get so caught up in our own work and we kind of don't take that moment to think about what we've done and what we've achieved and yeah, I, i think about jobs that i've gone for and you're like well, you've actually done a fair bit here, but you don't actually see it when you're when you're just in it. Um, and you're right, so I agree with that wholeheartedly. That you know, it's yeah. a great experience yeah. to see what you've done so far.
1: And the interview, like the interview, was was really enjoyable. Um, I, I had like six principles, I think, on mine, and that was. Well, I went into that going, well, how am I going to handle this?" But um, you're a it podcast
0: was quite... expert. You love it. You love oh, that chat. You would have been nah. all over it.
1: Oh, it's different when you're behind a mic <laughs> hidden away in your office and no one you think no one's listening but in front of other people it was but it was well, it was really a,
0: nice her with her headphones in right now so she's probably listening mm. oh, what <laughs> yeah,
1: um, yeah I, I found it really refreshing to just be able to talk openly and frankly about different things and um, our, our ministry representative was actually my principal when I started teaching so again that made me feel a little bit more comfortable and my current principal was there he's on the panel so I I liked it I enjoyed it and it made me definitely reinforce that this was the right step for me and it was something that I wanted to um wanted to give it a go but I'm keen to in in sort of two minutes or less I'm keen to hear what your what does your week look like as an across school lead
0: yeah, so unlike you, I had my timetable. I, I knew I was in the role pre, before the timetable was set. So um, my because I work so closely with the lead principal, so we've got a model where our lead principal is the lead for six months at a time, so that rotates. Um, so we decided as a kahoiaako that because we've got to work so closely together, um, it would be really important that the time that I had... Was aligned with the lead principal. so we decided on a, day a week that I would make sure that I could have de- solely dedicated to my work uh, with the Kahuiakua. So that was a Wednesday, so I have no classes on a Wednesday. Um, and then the rest of the non-contact time, because it is the equivalent of two days, was spread across the week. So for me, um, what it would typically look like would be touching base with that lead principle, um, and whatever the work is that we're doing at any one time, we would discuss it. Sometimes it would be with them for the whole day, um, but sometimes it might just be a little check-in, just make sure we're all on track, what have we got coming up, and then the rest of the time was left for me. So, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, um, a lot of that is about... The, the work with the within-school teachers um, and supporting them. But a lot of it is about my own work as well. So for us, um, we have been on a journey. I suppose if I talk about the journey, that's probably the easiest way yeah. to do it. Yeah. Um, we started off just doing scoping through, I scoped the schools and talking to the to the principals and just getting a bit of a lay of the land and the, pe- the people there. Um, and then from there, kind of wrote up a bit of a report and I did this with the ECEs as well um, about what I sort of saw as sort of our priorities and where we need to go um, and it, it came pretty obvious that of our three levers, transitions, well-being and culturally responsive practice, it would be well-being was where we need to focus our energy. Um, we've had a, quite a hard time down here in our community with um, some really unfortunate incidents that have happened, um, a few deaths um, in the student body as well as um, in the community. And that's been really, really hard um, for such a small community. And um, that's that's where we're sort of pouring our, our energies into now. So in the, at the moment, we're working towards a big community think tank um, where I'll be facilitating and running um, not a workshop, but a sort of... A, a formal way of gathering information around wellbeing for our students, um, for our staff and for our community. And there'll be separate sessions, um, but we're sort of just in the preparations for that at the moment. So, yeah, I might've waffled a bit there, mate. Apologies, but yeah, that's, that's sort of what we've been doing.
1: No no that that's good. and I think you know um I'm sorry to hear about the challenges your community are having around some of that stuff and I think across the nation it is quite a common theme um, and it's it's why I think you know wellbeing is featuring in, in a lot of the work that many coals are doing because we society is in a position at the moment where um, there's some really difficult and challenging times ahead of us. So uh, uh, I like the idea of a think tank. Um, I, I think that's, you know, a really positive start for getting some some real community and social action across that kāuiako. Um, so I, I hope that pans out well for you. I know, yeah. I know one of the domains that we assist against is around professional relationships and values and engagement. And this this question popped up when I was going through the application process and I thought it was a really, really positive question to ask you. Can you tell us a time in the past when your thinking has been challenged to a point where you deliberately changed your practice? I think that's a really powerful question.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, you know, as, I, as I've said um, earlier, that I've, I've held a number of roles and I think in every role that I've had, i um, i've taken key learning away and it's made me i think a better educator and a, and, and have a, a broader set of skills like um those are those are the people out there that would have known me at teachers college i went to a single sex boys school not too far from your one and um i thought i knew everything yeah. <laughs> i'll be pretty honest but um <laughs> yeah i didn't think this teaching gig would be too hard have i've got it sorted i'm pretty confident in myself I'll be able to be a good teacher and all the rest of it but I think you know that key learning I had and I'm really fortunate that I started my career at at Aotea because um yeah I soon got put in my place and and learned a lot of stuff um, particularly through the deaning um, exposure to a lot of um yeah a, a lot of different backgrounds to where these kids come from um and then and then sort of curriculum wise um you know, being an assistant head of department to an okay HOD at the time. She was all right. Um, <laughs> I, I learned up a few, a few things there as well. But I think what keeps coming back to me is, you know, with leadership, it is about that growth um, of others. And that's that, if we go back to Japan, there's a good connection there that it's not all about you. It's about the other people around you and and someone that has those, you um, those real key leadership qualities isn't thinking about themselves all the time. In fact, they're pouring the energy into their, their people around them. And, and I think that's what I have probably learned the most. Um, Mm. Yeah. And, and hotter. Yeah. Yeah. And people that will know me may have seen that growth as well, but um, yeah, it's something that I know that I have grown in over, over the years that yeah, it's, it's the width. It's not, it's not the act, it's working with people and, and, and build those relationships as you go.
1: So No, it is, and, and that's...
0: Deep, mate, that's real deep, isn't it? Yeah, yeah,
1: and it's powerful. And that's, I mean, that's one of the... come Just coming back to the, the communities of learning, that's something I, I don't really... I'm getting a bit puzzled by because, you know, there are a lot of people who are against these communities of learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, yeah. I just don't get it because how, what, what can be a downside to... A community of schools and providers working closer together to build capability and capacity was the end goal of having you know far greater outcomes and experiences for our learners i mean you, you can't yeah. you can't go oh, wrong with that yeah
0: no you're you're right 100 um i think it often is the conflict is around the resource yeah. and that gets people's backs up just yeah. in terms of the equity but as you said like well at the end of the day we've been given this resource so we've just got to make the best case of it right like we can't change the decisions that have been made politically but we've got it so let's let's make the most of it and um get these get these sectors working closer together and i've i've loved my time going into the eces and meeting the the teachers there and the same with the primary schools like to the point now where you know you, you look forward to um taking your break out of your, your your own school and going to spend that time in, in other schools it's it's really refreshing and you know I know that you'll you'll experience the same thing as that I've done it's been a real sort of fill your bucket type experience so yeah I look forward to hearing how you go mate because yeah I
1: mean, that's that's positive to to hear and I'm I'm glad you you mentioned that I, we, I know you've been really busy, and this is like the seventh time we've tried to we've tried to book oh, this uh, this recording. As well. <laughs> so, um, I'm I'm going to jump to the last question soon. But before we get to that, is there anything I might have missed that you want to mention, or is there anything else um, you want to add, or even something you want to ask me? Uh,
0: yeah, I think. Yeah, for me, I, I want to know how you balance balance your time. Um, you know, like you you've taken on this new role as the across school lead, Kahuakau. You're also head of department. Yeah, you know, I know you're on the board at at, at PINS. So, mate, you must. How do you do it? How do you fit in everything you do, and be a father and a husband and all the rest of it as well? Yeah, it's.
1: Um... That's a really good question, and I get asked this by a lot of people. Um, and, and first of all, it comes down to um, my my values, my why, and my family sits um, very firmly at the top of that. So everything everything I do and everything I choose to do, I, it needs to come back to improving my situation with my family. Um, so, say for example, let's say the Kahuyaku role, it's the, got the potential to... Um, take me away and, and have me a little less focused but um, in the bigger picture it's it has the potential to increase my salary a little bit, it gives me more experience in different areas which in the future may lead to um, different opportunities that in the long term are, are going to um, support my family and allow us to do better things as a family unit if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, everything, okay, everything okay. comes back to the, the three things that I value. And one is, um, is, is my family. The other one is, is my whole order, my well-being. So um, that's a big part of my life. Um, and I train at least 60 minutes every single day, some form of exercise. Um, and that's another big part. And the other big part of my why is to be able to take disciplined action to empower learners. So those three things are at the core of all of my decision-making. And I, I do a lot of things, you know, like you mentioned, I've got the coal now, I'm an HOD, I'm a father. Um, I have a business with multiple brands that I a that I business. run. Yeah. But um, it all comes down to to that. And I, I have a few systems in place that I use to balance my time and ensure that I'm working on the things that um, are important. Um, I I do something called bullet journaling, which is a way to, to basically um, – track your track your past present and future um and it's like a it's it's an how about this it's a non-linear um modular planner or journal um so basically you just empty your brain of things that need to be done um you put them into this journal and it's structured in a way that you can tap back into those things and action them when you need to um so a lot of people run run around a lot of people yeah, yeah. Well, the book is really good. I read the book um, and then implemented it like the same day. It's it's a short book, um, The Bullet Journal Method. But so what it, What I like to do, and a lot of people run around with all these things in their heads, um, that just um, overwhelms them. So anything in my head, no matter how important or how little it is, I put it into my journal. And that will be actioned at some point in the near future. And when you um, when you have that all out of your head, what that allows you to do, it allows you to be present in the tasks that you're doing, whether that be yeah. spending time with it's my family tense. or teaching or um, trying to do my business stuff in the evening. Um, it, yeah. that's, that really helps me. So that's basically how I manage my time. And I have my set family time each day. And that's generally from 3.30 till 7.00 and then from 7.00 till midnight-ish. Um, that's when I work on some of the other stuff outside of school. Um, so my business and, cool. and things like that so yeah that's about it really Legend. so last question who now I, I think I can guess who you're going to talk about in this but I could be wrong who who, oh, or, who well, or what has been your biggest influence to be a successful educator
0: well I stayed away from the who because the person may get a big head and I don't want them to get a big head <laughs> so, she, um, she knows who she, knows who she uh, is and she listens uh, so. so, she's been on the, the podcast enough yeah, I don't okay. hear my mention of my name too because it works the other way as well. <laughs> I, um, so for me, it, it probably is that exposure to professional development um, opportunities. And I mean, I'm someone that takes them. I, I always have and I always will. Um, I'm not one just to sit back and just hope for the best. I, I actively s- sort out, you know, opportunities to grow myself. So whether that's with pens or that, like you mentioned, that Japan Sports Forum, they were classic examples of it. Um and I've also been really lucky in my four years at at Ellesmere College. I've actually been on four international trips, and that some may look at that and go, "Oh, how did he do that?" Well, you make you make these things happen. Um, but yeah, the networking is a is a big part of that. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned before, it's sort of taking that key learning from from the different roles that I've got and, and bring it into your to your next role. But yeah, I, I probably can't go past. Um, my wife as well, she's she's an educator. She's a health and phys ed teacher. We, we met each other at Teachers College and she's doing some amazing things, uh, particularly in that wellbeing space um, at Rolleston College. Um, and obviously we took a lot of shop at home, probably too much, but we get each other's um, environments and, and we, we're able to support each other a lot with that. But yeah, uh, apart from her, you know, I've got lots of mates um, throughout the country that, that are in the profession and and you're one of the car, and we, we just learn off each other and and we we yeah we just take the best out of everything and, and make it better for our own for our own environment so no that's about it mate I, I
1: like it I like it and you know you've you've got to go after this stuff you can't just sit back and mm. just be a teacher you've got to take action at some point if you want to improve and develop and and do good for your students. You know, if we're just going to sit back and relax, then um, our students aren't going to come away with the, or experience the exciting learning environments that we should be providing them. So I like your answer there. Um, and, you know, I, I do want to thank you for for taking the time to sit down for a wee bit and have a chat. I know, I know you're super busy, um, so I, I value your time. Um, I also value... Uh, getting to know you over the last sort of six months a little bit better. You'd always been somebody who I knew, I knew of. I knew you were doing amazing things, but getting to spend that 10, 11, however many yes. days were in Japan with you and, and work quite closely because, you know, when you put 15 people together, you form those clicks and those groups come together and, and operate quite nicely. So it was really nice to spend a lot of close time with you and, um, and well, I, I, I learned a lot think, from you. Yeah.
0: Oh, hard out. Same for me as well. And I think, you know, I think a big part of how we connect, this is going to sound like man love, bro or whatever, but we, um, <laughs> we both have that ability to think quite critically and we're, and we're both brave enough to speak it. And I think that's where no. you and I connect because we'll, we won't sit there and be quiet just for the sake of doing that. If we feel like we need to, yeah, think critically and say it, we will. And, um, yeah. yeah, that's probably how we... I I
1: I, I will add in that I think I'm less outspoken than you. (laughs) I
0: Don't know about that. But I I think
1: no. I think education needs more people like that. I think um, we we shouldn't be prepared to accept things at face value, and we should be able to um, not not hold people accountable. I don't think that's the right way to frame it. But just expect that things should uh, not happen. In a certain way, because that's the way they've always happened. We should be able to expect highly of the people we work with. I think that's really important. Yeah, and um, as long
0: as it's done so, in a yeah, respectful way, there's
1: no yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think you're one of those people, and and that's why I, I appreciate and I look up to you as an educator, because you tell it like it is, but in a respectful way, and um and that provides an environment that is is. Solutions-focused, growth-focused, all of those things. So um, keep up the good work. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing about some of your other journeys that you have uh, in education coming up. And um, I think, yeah, I think you've you've got a bright future ahead of you, mate.
0: Thanks, Carl. I look forward to a face-to-face over a lemonade.
1: Yeah. Lemonade it is, mate.
0: Cool. Cheers, buddy.